This week on the Multiply Podcast, we've got John Lindell talking to us about the role of preaching in discipleship. Check it out. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Multiply Podcast. My name is Jared. My name is David. We're so glad you're with us. It's good to uh, good to be back and doing another podcast. Yep, and I think this is airing in the fall, which is my favorite season of the year. Um, I love the flavors of fall, right? Pumpkin and spice and all that sort of stuff. But uh, and I love the sports of fall, right? Football's back, baseball's ramping up into the playoffs, and I love the clothes of fall because uh, being a slightly stocky guy. I like um, wearing husky, husky, Huskies, yeah. yeah, big boned. Um, I like wearing uh, sweatshirts that people just can't. It just people can't tell exactly what's going on underneath. So, right. isn't it great to just be able to cover your body up and not have to look at it again for four or five months? <laughs> yes, that's the one advantage of living in upstate New York, where we get snow straight for six months. What a blessing! And then no. spring comes, and you're like, "Whoa, what? What happened?" <laughs> Thanksgiving and Christmas, I was blame them. Uh, today, we are really excited to have back with us David Lindell. He's a pastor at James River down in Springfield, Missouri. David, thanks for coming back on the Multiply podcast with us. It's good to have you. Hey, pumped to be with you guys. Hey, David, tell us a little bit about uh, your family. I, I follow you on social media, and uh, some would say maybe I stalk you, but I, use, <laughs> I, like, I like the word follow. Um, and uh, I follow you on social media, so I know that you have a beautiful family. Um, tell us a little bit about them. Well, uh, I'm married to my wife, Becky, and uh, she's awesome. I've been married for about 12 years. And uh, actually, I don't, you know, we are fun. It's always fun to celebrate anniversary. It's kind of crazy, like 12 years. That's a very, like, that sounds like a really long time. When was, 12 uh, year, when was your 12-year anniversary? Uh, September 23rd. Oh, mine, so, is, uh, yeah. mine is October 6th, 12 years. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, we have four kids. So, Owen... Uh, Elliot, Henley, and Calvin. So uh, they're a rowdy bunch. So four kids under the age of nine. Wow. Uh, God bless so you. They're, they're quite a crew. So Calvin's so between nine and two years old. That's kind of the crew right there. So uh, we have a lot of fun. And uh, so they're they're growing up and in, in loving the PK life, which I did. So I'm a pastor's <laughs> kid. And, uh, yeah, we have a lot of fun together. That's it's, cool. it's awesome. That's cool, man. I have uh, Jared has two little kids. I have three little girls, ages four through ten, and I'm a PK too. Actually, in fact, I'm I'm uh, pastoring the church that my dad and mom planted about 32 years ago. And wow, I just remembered Jared's a PK too. So there's yeah, bunch man, of, bunch PKs of PKs all around. Somehow, hey, just hanging. Man, we survived. We're thriving, and we're still <laughs> loving Jesus. So oh yeah, yes we are. Our parents did something right. Um, hey, today we want to talk with you about the role of preaching in local church discipleship. And I, I actually will listen at times to the James River podcast because I, I so appreciate um, the approach that you guys take to the scriptures. You're very scripture centered. Um, in fact, your dad, who's one of the primary communicators at the church, um, just recently passed some sort of landmark. I saw some sort of article where he he preached through the whole Bible or something like that. He, yeah, he's preached through the entire new every verse of the New Testament. He's preached, and wow. then uh, a significant portion of the Old Testament. So, uh, but yeah, that that was a celebration of completion of uh, the New Testament. So expositing verse by teaching verse by verse through the entire New Testament. So 
it's a big, big one. Yeah, that's great. And let's actually start there because um, I love that approach. But I know there are multiple approaches to preaching from textual yeah. to topical. And uh, when we talk about expositional preaching, there's kind of two ways people tend to define that term. And uh, in some circles, it's defined what I would consider to be somewhat narrowly and that it's almost a line upon line preaching. Um, yeah. But then expositional can also be a broader definition where it's just uh, starting with the text, staying in the text, um, and really handling the text well. So yeah. um, for you guys, uh, talk a little bit about the expositional approach to preaching and why it's a priority at James River. Yeah, um, well, in terms of our definition of it, uh, we a lot of times would just say verse by verse teaching um but in different contexts it would have that broader uh approach we try in every venue uh regardless of where the bible is being opened and god's word is being taught um to make scripture the the basis of whatever we're saying and to take what we're saying directly from what we see in the text so uh, in that sense it might have a broader uh, a broader you know, and, and there were certainly special days on Sunday where that's more the approach. All things being equal, though, on Sunday mornings, we're in a book of the Bible. So right now we're in the book of Romans. Um, we're in Romans chapter eight and we're well into a year uh, into the second year of teaching Romans. So we're you know, we've got a ways to go to finish it up. And, uh, and actually, all of the fall is pretty much committed to teaching Romans eight, one chapter. So, um, you know, some Sundays it's it's four verses some sundays it's two verses some sundays it just kind of depends on the flow of the text and uh and so it's a lot of fun you know i think uh, for us there's a lot of we see a lot of advantages in that approach and uh you know it and certainly it's been part of the way that the word of god has been preached from the very beginning at james river so uh the, the people of the church are very used to it. But I would say, you know, there, there are some who've, who've wondered like, what well, man, but what about people who have never, you know, heard the Bible taught that confusing to them? If you're jumping in the middle of, you know, Romans chapter six and you're teaching two verses, are they, you know, or do they feel like they've come in and they're the odd person out? And I would say that hasn't been our experience. So, um, you know, we, by God's grace, we see, people saved week in and week out and it and they're and they're responding to the gospel coming through various parts of scripture and uh and so it's it's exciting it's it's fun it's an adventure you don't you know you know where you're where you're gonna you know have to be in the text and the holy spirit you trust that the holy spirit is guiding and directing that but sometimes you read you open the bible and you go wow that's gonna be that's gonna be a good one <laughs> that's that's gonna be a challenge right there so but that's the fun of it so it's uh it's it's good we we have a good time i think one of the keys to um why at least what i've noticed is uh, why it's a good fit for you guys is that you're not just approaching scripture sort of in a verse uh verse upon verse way and uh, teaching each passage sort of in its uh, isolated location. But you guys are really good at, at um, framing the larger context of the text, the book, but also seeing Scripture really in a, um, in a way that the gospel can be mined 
out of every yeah. task. And it's not yeah. just a, it's not because sometimes it's just sort of like an add on to in the sermon. So you've preached a sermon that has nothing really to do about what Jesus has done in his work or whatever aspect of the gospel, maybe that text uh, would lend itself towards. And then at the end, they just sort of maybe tack on like, by the way, if you want to trust in Jesus, it's not, it's not that, but it's yeah. actually a progression in your preaching where if all the scripture has been given to reveal Jesus to us, um, yeah. there are, uh, there are gospel threads, so to speak, that yeah. kind of run from the Old Testament to the New Testament that can very easily be pulled on so that there is a way to lift up Jesus in every message that isn't forced or contrived or manufactured, yeah. but it's just absolutely. it's just handling the text in a way that's faithful. Yeah, and I, I would just jump in too, and um, you know, as a towards the end of my time as a youth pastor and all my time as a young adult pastor, we preach the same way. We would preach series through books of the Bible. And uh, I didn't do it verse by verse, but we would take a book and say, all right, oh, we're going to do this over 10 weeks. And I actually really recommend this. Now, obviously, it's not the only way to do it, but especially for guys who are maybe uh, newer speakers or feel overwhelmed, there's some real benefits to preaching through a book, which is all of your research builds on itself. You know, you're, yeah. you're really locking down in one book versus it, or, uh, versus if you jump around every week, you've got to do a whole new background research and contextual yeah. research and all that. And, and so it's really helpful for prep. And then it's also yeah. helpful to know exactly where you're going, right? You're like, I know here's where I'm going. I don't have to worry about it. And so uh, if you've not done it, man, take a shot at it. Grab one of the books, grab Galatians or... Uh, a, a book that you feel like would be a good fit for you. Song of Solomon's. Yeah, yeah something uh, easy. Yes. Revelation. You know, just jump, jump right in. <laughs> something simple. <laughs> so, in our last ish, in our last episode, you talked about your um, discipleship assimilation strategy, and you guys have. Is, did you call them life groups? Life groups. Life yep. groups. And those life groups, you mentioned, um, you're not putting the weight on the life group leader to be the primary teacher or communicator in the life of the people that are being assimilated and discipled, but they're really facilitating something based around what everybody heard that Sunday morning. Do I remember that right? Yeah. Okay, so talk, got it. talk a little bit about that as far as the role of uh, preaching on a Sunday morning, as far as its significance when it comes to making disciples, and then maybe something about uh, how do you resource those life group leaders um, to be able to take that next application step in a small group community? Yeah, well, what we do, you know, I already said, so just to give people some context, um, we, we kind of have a, we have a preaching team style in the sense that um, I would say the majority of the time they're going to hear from the lead pastor, they're going to hear from my dad. And then um, my brother Brandon and I are also on the team. And so we're kind of just, you know, depending on the schedule, the flow of the year, uh, but regardless of who's teaching, we're trying to resource a team uh, as best as we can with what they need to do some their own digging on the passage to write a life group discussion guide that's based on where we're at in the text. So um, we we actually use a, a research group called Docent Research, and they're out of Austin, Texas. They, they will resource pastors and churches in various ways, but one of the things that they – one of the services that they offer – to pastors and they can kind of tailor this to the size of the church and the style of preaching is basically a, a sermon resource packet. Um, so, uh, in our case, you know, cultural background, you know, background studies, word studies, um, different, uh, exegetical, um, aspects of the text that, and for us, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't 
change actually the amount of time we spend prepping for the message. It just helps us prep prep better, more intentionally. Uh, so you don't you instead of wasting your time looking, you use your time learning. Um, and so that that's been really helpful to us, and and have recommended it to pastors with churches of various sizes um, because it's been a, a real blessing. It's also a help to the team that would be writing the discussion guide because sometimes, you know, depending on your week and it, you know, everybody's got a little bit different flow, but often the message is being really crafted at the, toward the end of the week as you get closer to the weekend. So you may have some thoughts on what you want to do, um, but you're really honing it in on either Friday or Saturday or know, sometimes Thursday, you know, it's, you're getting more clarity around it. So for, for me to say, oh, you know, I'm preaching this weekend, you know, let me get you some stuff on Monday so you can start working on that discussion guide that may or may not be practical or doable. And, you know, so in our case, we have these, you know, these sermon research packets are 27 to 33 pages. You know, they can be as short as maybe 21, 22, as long as 35. And it gives that team a real heads up in terms of the research is done. You know, there's even some, there's direct gospel application in those for that passage to really help them think through, okay, what, what do we need to hone in on in terms of discussion that's meaningful connected to the passage connected to the sermon so we're not starting from scratch every week and so that's been a real a real lift um and then regardless of where we're at in in a the book of the bible that we're preaching you know we're we're trying to shape life group discussion that's very application driven you know what does this look like in life and helping the life group leaders so that they don't feel like while they're listening to the message They've got to be writing their own discussion guide um, that they're going to have something in their hands. There's a tool ready for them to use for the moment they walk out the door. So uh, that's kind of how we operate or how we would uh, in terms of life group connecting that to the message and then resourcing those leaders to enable their group to effectively discuss what they're hearing on Sunday mornings. Yeah, David, that's great. Um could you shed some light or, or give a little more insight too on the relationship between the life groups, which you've laid out as the discipleship process and the sermon and the potential to lean on one or the other as being more important? Like when you guys view that, is that a 50-50 relationship? Is that a, you know, um, it's 70% the sermon and then 30 the 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 life group? Or how do you guys view that, the connection between the sermon being preached and the importance of the life group where they're going to be wrestling out some yeah. of those ideas. Um, I don't know that we've ever had a discussion about kind of the, the percentages, the weight that we would put on it. I would say this, that um, since the life groups rely on the sermon, the sermon has to have priority and the sermon affects more than life groups, which would also for us mean that it needs that the priority placed upon it and the most power, I mean, in any church, the most powerful uh, communication that comes to the people is going to come from the pulpit. And I believe that's been ordained by God that way. So for us to recognize that, to say, Hey, the words that are going to carry the most weight are going to be the ones that are spoken from the pulpit in any church. So 
that means that there's going to need to be a priority placed upon the preaching and the teaching that comes from the pulpit. And then we're going to need every other ministry that is connected to that in the chain that is the discipleship process to yield to what is happening from the pulpit. And yield sounds maybe uh, domineering, but it's it's not domineering. It's it's strategic. You know, it's we want to make sure if we're all going to be saying the same thing and mapping out a journey that's co- consistent for people and that is connected and there's momentum tied to it, then we're all going to have to be functioning on the same page and on the same wavelength. And so really for for us, it's saying, OK, what's happening in the auditorium? What what is where are we at in the text? And then even various like in other areas of the church. So in the kids ministry or in the youth ministry, they're going to be it's not that we're always in the exact same series. But when we can't when they can piggyback on and align themselves with curriculum wise, something that in a way that that complements what's happening so that the family is all growing together and discussing together. I mean, how great is it when you get home from church and your kids are talking about the same thing that you were learning? And mm-hmm. so that, that there, that's really great. It's a real help to parents in the discipling of their children. So, you know, in terms of life groups, I mean, life groups are really, really important to us. I mean, we, it's, that's, that's not to, in all of what I've said, that's not to make it sound like that's not central to uh, the disciple making process at James River. It's just that they are going to feed off of, as the rest of the churches, they're going to feed of the feed off the word of God being opened week in and week out from the pulpit. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's kind of the way that we would see it. You know, the, the priority has to be placed on what's coming from the pulpit. David, when you think about... Um the sermon and, and uh, specifically in its role in discipleship. So let's just talk about the sermon maybe apart from the life groups right now, as if it has to stand on its own, which obviously in your uh, process, it, it, in an ideal world, it, it doesn't stand on its own. People are in these uh, life groups connected, but obviously there's a percentage that aren't. Um, but when you think of preaching sermons that help people and yeah. sermons that help people grow, I mean, I think there is a there are different styles of preaching and some are... Uh, very good at expositing, uh, exegeting a text and unpacking meaning and bringing truth. But a lot of preachers really struggle with the application end of a sermon. And uh, my personal struggle has been um, over the years finding ways to provide application that doesn't lead to uh, what might be considered moralism or works righteousness. Um, Sort of this like application of the text in, in terms of like, now here's what you need to go do apart from some deeper truth or heart change. So what does gospel-centered application look like? But then also just honestly understanding the questions that people in the church are asking and wrestling with. And sometimes as pastors, we can get disconnected from, yeah. uh, the, you know, we go to the text with our questions based on the books we've been reading and the podcasts we've been listening to. But the truth is most of the people in our church aren't reading the books we're reading or listening to the podcasts we're listening to. They don't care as much about church growth as we do or yeah. the, you know, biblical understanding. So what have you found that helps you, uh, A, kind of keep a pulse on the people in your community and your church so that your sermon is answering questions they're asking? Uh, and B, talk a little bit about how you um, provide application in a way that leads people to trust in Jesus more so than themselves. Yeah. 
Um, well, I think you're certainly right. Um, in the fact that for preachers, you can kind of get tunnel vision in terms of application so that, you know, your application and application for people you're preaching to, uh, they're not asking the same questions of the text that you're asking. And so, uh, for me, and I I would say personally, I, I resonate with that struggle, um, for, and I think everybody, there are certain aspects for every preacher. There are certain things that maybe you're really good at. So there are some who are like Ill, illustration, like it just comes very naturally to them mm-hmm. and they're always ready with an illustration. It seems like, um, and I think for some it's, it's the application side, whether it's because of the way they grew up or, or just the way that they think and the way that they're wired, uh, or the relationships they have in their life. I would say for me, what's helpful to keep, to keep the, 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 the listeners in mind in terms of how I shape application is I always have to get other ears and other eyes on them, ears to hear the message and eyes to see the message. And so we are, we're huge on feedback. And so uh, I would say before all things equal, before a message is preached uh, on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night, there's been dialogue about it. So um, either, you know, I had, I had somebody like my brother and I operate this way in terms of like we would get I'm going to send the message to my dad and he's going to he's going to have thoughts on it. And then I'm going to probably walk through it in person with my brother uh, because I want to. And he's going to you know, he's going to really have an ear for, hey, how does this sit with people? Is that really where people are at? And he usually I would say uh, he's usually his feedback is like, I don't think people resonate with that. Or I wonder if you would be more effective. Here's the way that you should phrase that question. Cause this is what people are hearing. And so you've got to, as a preacher, have somebody around you. And I would say some buddies around you who have an ear for that. Like who, and I would say it's even more helpful if they're a preacher, because you know, the reality is, I think both can be helpful, but there's something about having another preacher that you trust weigh in on what you're saying. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, guys don't have that relationship or the person who's preaching doesn't have that relationship. And so it's like, well, I don't know who should I ask. I would just say, ask somebody who's wise and biblically informed, Um, you know, and I would say, you know, ask your spouse, but don't make your spouse. It depends on your spouse. Um, (laughs) Like my Becky is like, she's an encourager. So most of what, if I tell her, you know, if I read the message to her, she's like, that is awesome. That's going to help people. That is going to encourage like that. That's the best. <laughs> that's, that's my, I think that's that's my wife too. Exactly. Which is awesome. That is so encouraging. I also know that I'm probably not going to get ultra critical feedback, you know, constructive criticism about the message. And so who am I going to go to and say, who's going to tear it apart? And love me enough to tell me that isn't going to work, you know. Um, And, you know, I would say that was hard. uh, uh, Interesting. That was harder for me right out of, you know, maybe it's harder for most people right out of seminary because you think you you know more than you know. Um, But the longer I've preached, the more I want the feedback and the more I'm willing to take even feedback that hurts a little bit and go, okay, if it hurts, um, that should that pain should be an indicator that I need to tweak some things. And so, um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk people through my illustrations. I'm going to talk people through my points and I'm going to, 
I'm going to ask, Hey, how does this, uh, how does this sound? And one of the interesting things to me is a lot of times we feel like if you're listening to, I mean, there are a lot of great communicators out there, but one of my favorite pastors to listen to, and I think he's so funny and his illustrations are so good, but is Matt Chandler from the village in Dallas. And I we thought you were going to say David Hurtwick. Oh no, shoot. <laughs> that, that was where I wanted to go. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So like Pastor Matt, like he just he you know, his his illustrations are so, you know, his timing, his comedic timing is great. And I've always thought, you know, up until I heard what I'm about to tell you, I thought, well, he's just that he and he is super gifted. So but I was thinking he's just relying on his gift. He's getting up there and he's just making it up as he goes. And he's just super gifted. And he wrote, you know, he wrote the the content part of the message, but everything else is just flowing. Until I was, I was in an internship at the village, and one of the pastors said, he said, yeah, he's walking through all of that stuff with pastors behind the scenes. So he, like those, he's told that story. You know, he's he's tested that that the way that that phrasing is, and it's just a reminder that you know if you want to be if you want to be effective in communicating, you're going to have to bounce it off other communicators, and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how gifted you are. Even people who are super gifted, and Matt Chandler is a very gifted communicator, he doesn't take the gifting for granted and say, well, I'm gifted enough, I'll just roll with it. He's saying, okay, tell me, you know, to, te- to people on his team, how does this sound to you? And so for any one of us, whatever, whatever, whatever your preaching style is, don't just, don't just wait out there and go, yeah, I, you know, I, I didn't have time to let anybody into the process. You don't you don't have the luxury of not letting people into the process if you want to be effective. Now, if you don't care if you're effective, um, which I think most of us would say, well, of course I care. Well, then you've got to, you've got to say who, who's going to be in the stable of people. And I think choose wisely, but choose some people who you're going to regularly say, what, how does this hit you? How does this sound to you? What do you think about this? How, where, where, where's my application week? And, uh, usually what happens is they say, here's where you need to say this. And I go, man, why didn't I think of that? Like, that's so simple and so clear. And it's just because you got to get another cook in the kitchen with you. So um, for me, that's really, really, really important. That's really good. Um, you know, and I think just to kind of build on that thought, the um, there's so many different people in a room when you're preaching, right? Different seasons of life, different um, yeah. stages in their faith journey, asking completely different questions. So it's bit of an impossible task, uh, although there are some universal questions probably that all of us wrestle with that we can root some of our uh, questions in. Um, yeah. But, you know, being able to get feedback, I love what you're saying about getting it from other experiences and pastors who um, know, just are regularly involved in crafting messages and yeah. are thinking through that. And one of the things that I try to get better at is um, just understanding how some other people at different stages of their lives see the text. Um, so yeah. even just sending them the text ahead of time and saying, I'm preaching on this this Sunday. I'd love to know like your top three questions. Like when you yeah. read this, what are you confused about? Like, what are you wondering about? Because what's confusing to them may not be confusing to me because I took a whole class on it in seminary, for example. Sure. And I would think I would have the wrong assumptions. And so um, inviting people in and paying attention to sort of the variety of people that we're inviting in, I think helps us uh, get a lot better in our, our application. Um, we want to uh, wrap up with a question here, and thanks again for joining us and being with us. David, if our listeners want to connect with you on social media, online, uh, what's the best way to do so? 
Um, these days I'm on, if I'm online, I'm on Instagram. Uh, so, you know, posting pictures about what I'm eating and, uh, you know, the shoes I'm wearing. So, uh, you know, but, uh, or, you know, I'm occasionally on Twitter, but less and less. So, uh, you know, Dave at David Lindell on Instagram at David Lindell on Twitter. I occasionally am blogging, uh, on the church's blog. So I think it's jamesriver.org forward slash blog. So we've got, we've got, uh, pretty much a continuous feed of team writing blogs from the perspective of the way that we do ministry at James River. So that may be helpful to some people. Um, but yeah, I'd love to connect with people. The other thing I want to just mention is that you guys have a leadership college and we do. I, I want to let our listeners know about that. So how, how would they yeah. find out about that? Yeah. James River college is, is really, uh, it's, it's probably even more, it's more targeted than leadership in general. Mm -hmm. It's really focusing on raising up leaders in the church. And so, uh, James River, I think it's James River college. You should Google it. Uh, cause I don't want to say .edu <laughs> or .org and be wrong. Uh, but, uh, James River college, you know, and that program is really fantastic because of the way that it gives you, it gives you the opportunity to get hands on in, in, experience but also with leaders you know our leaders are really you know when i say our leaders i'm talking about our pastoral team and our leadership team are very intentional in the way that they pour into those students and so you know we want uh, you know it's in conjunction with evangel university so to start your college experience and to do your freshman and sophomore year and then to continue on to get your your four year bachelor's degree at Evangel, or and some you know end with the associates, some go not only do the four years, but then go and get a you know masters of divinity or whatever in seminary. But just starting off with really boots on the ground, practical application and experience, and then the opportunity to just hear from seasoned leaders in the church and say, here's how we pro here's how I think about this here. I, cause it's really teaching people how to think like how to process the, the uh, realities of ministry. And so it's really fun. Uh, we just, our incoming class of freshmen this fall is they're awesome. They're awesome. So, um, getting to hang out with them, getting to get into their world and then, you know, vice versa is just, it's a, it's a huge privilege. And if you're interested at all in, uh, in jumping into leadership, in the church. Uh, we'd love for you to check it out. We'd love to talk to you. So it's James River College and uh, we'd love to connect. Yep. JamesRiverCollege.com. David, Google it for you. So, Hey, you are so nice. You're so nice. <laughs> there you go. All right. Dot hey, we're, com. Dot com. We're going to end with, uh, with uh, this, this is a two part question of the David Z okay. section. Okay. So the first oh, question is, is are you a cake guy or a pie guy? Cake or pie? Oh, pie. A hundred. All right. Times. I knew you were wise. Amen. I knew you were wise. Uh, so the second part is, tell it, what is your favorite pie? If you could have any pie, what would it be? You know, that's a really hard question. I like pie a lot. Um, <laughs> so it probably depends on where I'm getting the pie. So um, fruit pies, to me, those are hit and miss. I, I make the cherry pie for holidays in our family. So I'm really passionate about, like, I hate to brag, but my crust is really good. It's very buttery, <laughs> very flaky. Um, so, uh, I'm not, I like, don't, I don't bake a lot, but when I bake, I bake pies. So, um, and, uh, so I like, I like, if I make the cherry pie, I'm, I'm a fan. And there we, I also have my, my sister-in-law, uh, Karen, she's really like her cherry pie is better than mine. It's so good. Um, 
Uh, we won't tell her. We won't tell her you yeah, said that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, thank you. Please, <laughs> everybody, keep this a secret. Um, and then if it's a if it's a cream pie, I mean, there's no better banana cream pie uh, than my grandma's banana cream pie. Mm. Uh, she is so good. Uh, my other grandma makes a graham cracker crust Jello pie. Now that if you've never had my grandma's Jello pie, like you might not think you would like that. You will. I promise it will be one of the best things send, you've ever eaten. Send one over to Syracuse. We'd love yes. to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would bless you. Um, so that's, that's kind of how that, now my sister makes a chocolate cream pie. That is really good. So as you can tell, we are very much a pie family. Yeah. Uh, which is a good, I feel like that the Lord has really just positioned me uh, in a sweet spot in his blessing. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, I like, I like pie. Now my, my wife does make, uh, and I don't know how long this section is supposed to go, but my wife makes, my wife does make a chocolate cake, and this is the same cake I get every year for my birthday, but it's got a coffee cream icing on it, and that cake will blow your socks off. So um, if I'm gonna eat cake, that's the one cake I want right so, there. So now all our single listeners are trying to figure out how to marry into the Lindo family, because <laughs> I feel like there's no other way any of us are yeah, ever gonna. Yeah, yeah taste of this goodness there's and, a uh, lot there's a lot of pie in our family i will yeah. tell you that there's a lot of pie well we so, look forward uh, to seeing you on the next season of the great british baking show and, uh, <laughs> i do like that show yeah we love it my family and i <laughs> we watch an inappropriate amount of food shows so yeah um, yeah well, man well david thanks again for spending some time with us uh, appreciate the work you guys are doing in at james river and uh thanks everyone for tuning in we'll see you next time on the multiply podcast mm-hmm.